Hello and welcome to episode 190 of this week's episode sponsored by We Screenplay of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking from indie film to studio films and everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try to F it up in a very, very humble opinion. I am Giles Alderson. I'm a writer, director, and a producer. And I am Robbie McCain, director-producer. Woohoo! And this week we are delighted to tell you we have on the fantastic Julie Delpy. Yet yeah, that is right, the wonderful actress, writer and director of some amazing feature films. And we are talking to her about her latest feature that she's written, directed and starred in. It's actually her seventh feature that she's written and directed. And it's called My Zoe. And it stars Gemma Arterton, Richard Armitage, Lindsay Duncan, Daniel Bruhl, Sophie Alley as Zoe. And of course, Julie Delpy. She's just the best. She's just a she, great She actually person. is the best. Yeah. She's amazing. And if you don't know who Julie Delpy is, then, hey, we'll be tied you. But look her up. She's, she's incredible. Some of the films she has done include the Three Colours trilogy, uh, Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, Before Midnight. Not only that, but, oh, my God, the list just goes on of so many movies that she has starred in. What can people take away, Robbie, from this week's app? Judy was so such a joy to talk to. Um, she talked about her unique and original kind of creative process where she gets her ideas from. She also talks about how she always wanted to direct. And for so many of you out there, you'll understand what this felt like, how she wrote when she was 15. She wrote when she was much younger as well, but started to write properly at that age. But the mm. struggles of a female filmmaker as well. She talks all about that. She also talks about uh, how you should talk to studios and executives to get you know, film financed with her film Two Days in Paris. She had to play some games with them in order to sort of get exactly what she needed and get, you know, an amazing award-winning critically acclaimed film. She also talked about working with Richard Linklater, who obviously she worked with on Sunrise, Sunset and Midnight, uh, and how she likes to direct and act at the same time um, and how she prepares and everything that goes into that. The great director she's worked with, not only Richard Linklater, but also the great Christoph Kislowski on the Three Colours trilogy and also... Agneska Holland, who is on episode 148 of the Filmmakers Podcast. Oh, There's yes. A nice little link for you was, there. Nice was segue. a great <laughs> link. She does talk about Agneska. She, when Agneska came on, she was talking about her film, Mr. Jones, which is out and it's amazing. So it's so nice to have those connections. We love that on the podcast. We've been going for so long now uh, that it's all crossing over and it's wonderful. So all that is to come for you on this week's Filmmakers Podcast with the fantastic Julie Delpy. Um, but first of all, we have to tell you this week is a very special week because we are sponsored by We Screenplay and their jury of studio execs, producers and agents and writers are on the hunt for a script. So this jury is waiting for your script to be turned into the next big movie. And these are people who can take a script and turn it into a film. They've done it before and they're always looking for great writers to do it again. Uh, and Robbie, guess what? What, Charles? There, there are prizes. No. There are prizes. Um, the We Screenplay Features Contest is also giving away cash as well as the prizes. The grand prize script will receive a $1,000 cash prize and the top three scripts will receive We Screenplay's top-notch 
coverage. But there's a best part, Robbie. And the best part about the We Screenplay Features competition that isn't just the cash prizes and industry jury, it's that every entry gets free script feedback. It's totally worth entering just for that. Your screenplay can always be improved and it's so important to get that feedback. And these people are the best and they will give you the best coverage. So what are you waiting for? Send your scripts into the We Screenplay Feature competition now and take the next step in your screenwriting career. Submit your manuscript today. The regular deadline ends on November the 15th. Go to www.wescreenplay.com feature for all your info you need. <laughs> close. Amazing close script close. read, I have to say. Oh, it's been an amazing couple of weeks. Not only has the repeat movie finished filming, massive congratulations to Richard, uh, Kimberly, uh, Grant and the whole team for managing to shoot a feature film in COVID in their house. Really cool sci-fi that myself and Lucinda Rhodes-Takra are producing and they've wrapped cool as hell so yeah like i said i've watched the first 30 minutes already that rich has cut together crazily uh during his day job mm. when he went straight back into that and it's it's great no easy task especially in these current times absolutely so massive congratulations to the whole repeat team also huge congratulations must go to the murder ballads team as well who've completed their crowdfunder on greenlit and they smashed their hundred percent target so congratulations to you well done it is amazing you are now going to make your feature film how epping cool is that take heed everyone you can do it too you can do it um, so this is cool based on their short film now it's turning into a feature uh, so very soon we've got a special announcement haven't we Giles we've got a new member of the team we do have a new member of the team the new member of the Film Against Podcast team we have a social media manager now and she's called Callie Pasqualici uh, and she's doing a proper takeover at the moment of all our socials which are at um, Film Export on Twitter with Film Export Podcast on our Instagram which is brand new so do go follow us there and our Facebook um, the Film Podcast I believe go support us and while we're at this talking of this um go give us a lovely five-star review on itunes or spotify if you're listening to this why not support us as we're supporting you and tell your friends totally pass on the love there's some amazing knowledge from all these episodes this is the 190 190th episode of knowledge of filmmaking but 200 is coming up robbie i know we're gonna have a special guest aren't we oh for sure and so giles not only has the repeat movie which you're producing just wrapped you got like another film that you're doing how many films can a man do at the same time well it's important you know you all this time i've been you know the dare took four years and now i'm just on a roll uh and obviously (laughs) the dare's out now you can go watch it and i'm arthur and merlin i have been asked to direct uh um new movie it's a thriller based on a novel which was a best-selling Normal. Oh, exciting. Um, so we've been re- reworking the script for the last two weeks, longer, uh, and now it's ready. And we've just gone to cast. I can't say who yet. Um, an offer, official offer, has gone in. Um, yeah. So I'm going to be shooting that in four weeks time. <laughs> you don't make it easy on yourself, do you? <laughs> What's the point? What would life be like if we made it easy on ourselves? Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, we wanted to do that before Christmas and get it in, and we locations are ready, and the money was there. So it was like, let's shoot, let's do it. So I've signed up. It's happening. Um, I I can't wait. I'm really excited. So next week, hopefully, I can fully announce what it is. But it's a, I can tell you, it's a thriller, and it's with a really really cool production team, and I'm very excited. That's fantastic, Joe. I was really pleased for you. 
we got some shout outs this week right oh my god it's the longest intro ever um yes we do thank you we have shout outs to andy fosbury diane knight of course uh, rachel pearson who is on twitter at real rachel finch different name uh, nathan root uh, legend uh, nathan thanks buddy uh, yvonne newman who's bonnie um Oh, Bullets of Justice. We haven't mentioned Bullets of Justice. It's out now. It's bonkers. It's brilliant. It's batshit crazy. The reviews are going nuts. This is a, a film I came on to help sell it and get it out there into the world. And it's with the Horror Collective now. And it's out there. Bullets of Justice starring Danny Trail. Mental. Shout out to you because it's doing really well uh, in America and North America at the moment, America and Canada. Um, <laughs> shout outs also to The Maliard Report, uh, Lincoln Fenner, uh, Ronan Summers, Tobias Vies, who has been an absolute godsend during these last couple of weeks um uh, so thank you tobias um and jane go thank you all shout outs this week you are all legends and if you want your name read out on the filmmakers podcast and who doesn't then do get in touch do go onto our twitters send us something nice tell us what you like about us in the podcast maybe don't tell us what you like about us just the podcast and what use it is um and if you want to come on if you made a film or if you know someone who does um then get in touch uh, thefilmmakerspodcast at gmail.com and I guess we better get to the episode now right people I, might be bored Robbie, of this we intro probably, <laughs> we probably should I, I very much doubt they're bored of me and you talking Robbie how could they how dare it's they it's fine I'll cut it down they love us but thank you so much for listening you're all amazing I love you all keep uh, your dreams going because you can make your own films too and you can make it happen and I hope you feel inspired um, to go do it now go write your scripts let stuff happen Make it happen, they'll come to you. And seriously, enjoy this chat with Julie Delphi. It's a real cracker and it's funny. She's a funny lady. <laughs> She's hilarious. <laughs> She's brilliant. She's so funny. So, I think her son comes in at one point. Oh, yeah, She's hilarious absolutely. to him that too. That happens. So yeah. It's gold. Enjoy this. So listeners. here it is, right? Yeah. Thank you, listeners. This is our episode with Julie Delphi of the Filmmakers Podcast. Thanks for listening. You didn't say enjoy. I said enjoy. Enjoy. <laughs> Zoe, time to wake up. How is she? She's great. You're picking her up today, right? Of course. It's my day. Uh Missed you so much. I missed you too, Daddy. Why does time go so fast when I'm with you? Time uh, flies when we're having fun. Zoe! Zoe! Where is she now? They have to do an emergency surgery. She has intracranial bleeding. What? You know, I realized something terrible about you after she was born. Your needs come first. Because I wanted to go back to work a year after she was born. Six months. So what? Hello? Ah, Dr. Fisher, nice to see you again. So, how can I help you? She's my daughter. She died two days ago. I can't bring back the dead. It doesn't bother you morally? No. Even if it works, it will not be her. The color of her hair, her smile, even what she likes or dislikes. All that is written in our cells. Girl talk? Yes. There we go. But you're through. You made it to us. <laughs> How are Hello. You? Very good, thank you, Julie. How are you? Good. Hi. Yeah? Hi. Yes. Hi. Hi, Robbie and, and Gilles. 
right? Uh, Giles in English, yeah. I mean, it's oh, obviously. Giles, sorry, sorry. It's Gilles. Yeah, Gilles, Gilles, is good. Gilles is good. It's a very good French name, Gilles right? Robert. Yeah, Robert. Yeah. So, thank you so much for joining us. This is obviously our podcast is all about filmmaking. We talk to filmmakers about how they make their films, um, okay. and obviously, we want to talk to you because my Zoe is out now, and it is brilliant. Yeah. And it's your oh, seventh you. movie that you've directed as well, which is, I think a lot of people don't necessarily know that about you. And I think that's really interesting. Seven? Oh, really? Yes, seven. You're right. Uh, yeah, no, no. I, I think the ones that some people know maybe is like the two days in Paris, two days in New York, I think. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Mm-hmm. But I directed French film as well. Um, and I directed a, like a gothic film that no one has seen. It's my favorite film, but... <laughs> All right. No one, no one has seen it. Sorry, sorry. My son is a. Wait, okay, I'm doing a a, a thing. Uh, you're recording on top of it, right? Yes. Yes. yes it's recorded. So leave me alone, child. <laughs> <laughs> is he trying to fit into your shoes? Was that what he was doing? Yeah. yeah he's wearing. He's wearing my shoes. He's wearing my t-shirts. That's that's kind of cool, right? Isn't it? How old is he though? Eleven. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's gonna, that's kind of cool. He's like he's he's gonna be. He's going to be a giant. Sorry, Perfect. sorry, sorry. Now no, I'm back. I'm, that's I'm cool. Years. This makes okay. it all fun. Oh, yeah, I've made seven films. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, all sorts of different films. I never make the same kind of films because I, I know people always want you, once you've done one thing, they want you to do the same thing over and over and over and over, you know. Mm. It's, a, it's, a, it's almost a, it's, it's a little frustrating, but I understand that's what people expect of you. So, you know, when you make comedies, they want you to make comedies only. You know, it's weird. It's only in France where people are like, oh, you know, new Julie Delpy film. Another, like, they like when I make a darker movie. For example, they're happy that I made My Zoe instead of another comedy after a comedy. You know what I mean? But yeah. usually usually people want me to make, you know, you don't make the same thing. It's frustrating as a person that wants to make different things, you know? Well, they put you in a box, don't they? Like, you know, if you make a horror film, they go, cool, well, what's your next horror film? If the COVID had not hit, I, was, I would have probably do a horror film in my in uh, my house no way actually. yeah wow was, you could have done it anyway to... right with the covid hit you could have yeah, actually but gone... it's about a virus <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah then probably not probably best problem. not yeah no, problem it's, it's about a virus so it's it's wow. kind of problematic it's um but it's it was funny horror i mean too bad too bad i didn't shoot it very quickly you know yeah you could have before the virus hit and you write all your own every movie that you've directed you've written which i find just wonderful you know you've obviously collaborated with other people as well but what is it about like you say you want to do a different idea each time or a different genre so within that how do you find your ideas how do you go okay i want to do a film about cloning a daughter who's who's you know in a coma died potentially how how does it you come up with these really cool fascinating ideas that you go i know that's going to make a feature that's going to make a feature. <laughs> i'm like hmm. and uh well you know i just go f- by what i feel you know when i when i started writing this film i was uh in the middle of a divorce right and um mm. it really didn't feel like a divorce it felt like a horror movie or like a sci-fi or like almost like a, it felt like like, you know, not that I was fighting for child custody, but I was fighting for my son's life. I mean, because the truth is when you get into a divorce and you share a child, you have to recreate two different child, basically, because you have a child with this person, but then you have to recreate a new child that you're going to raise on your own. 
And so it's a very strange feeling, which in a way the, the film is a translation of this, you know, very difficult moment, you know, but not just for me, for everyone. It's just that, you know, maybe when I go through something, my emotions get, you know, a little more, you know, and, and they translate into writing, you know, because instead of having a breakdown, you know. <laughs> yeah, put it's it into your writing. Totally. It's a very cathartic way of dealing with it. It's good. You know, but it's true. I'm I'm, it's a great luck to be, any kind of creative outlet is a great, great luck psychologically, you know, I think, because it allows, you know, to, to, to deal with, with, a, with a pain or joy or complicated times into... Um, you know, into something, um, you know, that's, uh, yeah, cathartic and not, 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 uh, not sink into a, a, the darkness of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. your own self and lose yourself in it, you know? Well, because it's easy to do that. We have, you know, making films is an amazing thing. It's also very difficult, as you know, but it's, it is that amazing feeling. So when you've got stuff going on in your own world, if you can outlay that somewhere, and the perfect place to do that is in a script, right? Or is in going to make a film. It just, it totally makes sense. Yeah. And you know, the, the, the horror film that I was writing was also in relation to separation and, right. and uh, yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's funny. I mean, I, 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 I made different version of it, like comedy, drama, sci-fi, <laughs> you know, like all sorts of ways of expressing that, you know, that, you know, it's it's the way it is with I think everything you know um, I go through, and sometimes it will be music, you know, because I play music as well. Sometimes I paint, you know. Sometimes it'll be cooking. Sometimes mm. it'll be gardening, which I'm really bad at. I mean, I think I have like three tomatoes in my yard that grew <laughs> after like six months of gardening. But you know, there's Excellent. other things I'm better than <laughs> gardening is not one of them. But, but it's but, something um, that you enjoy doing, right? It's something that you like to do as a kind of it doesn't matter if you're any good expression. at it. Yeah, yeah expression yeah, yeah, no, of your like tomatoes. Any form of expression is good, you know, but it's true that writing is probably the easiest way for me to express myself. So, you know, if it's a short story, if it's you know, I it doesn't need to become I mean, I was able to make this into a film and I it took me some time, but I really believed it was a good story to be told because I like this idea of like almost like a, like a Greek tragedy in a way <clears throat> in three acts with very, you know, very specific, like, you know, the first act is really about this story that's kind of very close to our reality. The second act is something still real that we luckily have not all experienced, which is the drama that happens to our life, but that we've heard people that have been through, you know, mm-hmm. this kind of terrible thing. And then the third act is about this, unexplored territory about what if you have the possibility to do what she does would you do it you know kind of questioning not giving an answer because sometimes people would read the script and say so you're pro cloning are you against cloning and i'm like that's not it <laughs> that's yeah, not the it's that's a story not the, the subject yeah. matter. it's a it's for you it's for people to make their own judgment which mm. is uh sometimes annoying to some people because people don't like to make their own judgment anymore. oh they want you to tell them so then they can tell you you're wrong yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> or just follow the yeah. you know or just just be a sheep yeah, you know? absolutely but, um, yeah but it's 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 more and more difficult to make movies that leave you with you know deciding for yourself you know but fascinating that you came up with this concept great you're in you were going through a divorce and you came up with the, this this idea from my zoe and 
did you sort of know when you started writing it did you have in mind that the cloning would be part of this and the death of you know a daughter did you think that this from when you first started from you came up with the idea of or was it like you say it's cathartic when did the actual seed happen i love sci-fi i've been a sci-fi fan since i'm a kid and um you know i i used to write stories about robots when i was like you know, robots that look like human that wow. then would become humans. And, you know, like, it's funny because I'm watching something about a robot and it's quite similar to, you know, it's very strange. But anyway, you know, I would write about, you know, robots that would have human feelings or, you know, like always about, you know, sci-fi somehow. Mm. You know, I was very, very into that. So when when I came to this concept of, that is so ethically wrong in a way. But then if you, as everything, you know, yes, if you, if you, if you say, okay, to someone, okay, it's about a woman, da, 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 the child actually codes. But if you go in the journey with that person, because we have to be careful, we're quick to make judgment of people without knowing the story behind it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I kind of like the idea that you follow this woman, you go through her pain, you know, and then you go through and a crazy decision that she makes, you know? Mm-hmm. So to me, it's uh, crazy or not crazy. I don't know, you know? It's like, what would you do if this happened to your child? What would I do? I would do anything. That's exactly. The That's the I thing. mean, I don't know yeah. if I would do anything, anything, but, you know, I probably, I would do anything. I mean, I would give my heart. You know, exactly. Of course you would. dying for myself. You know what I mean? For your but. son, for your child. Yeah, you, of course you'd do that. And I think that's what comes across. What would we do in these circumstances? What would anyone Not everybody's do? like that. Not everybody's like that. Surprisingly, I have friends that they come before their child. You know what I mean? Like, I don't right. personally, you know? No. But I know I have friends that don't put the child first. No. I, I know a couple. Wow. So they would just go, I'm well, gonna I, give, I'm not yeah. going to give names. But. No, well, please don't. Yeah, we don't want to get sued here. Uh, <laughs> but that's fascinating. Robbie, have yeah. you, I mean, you, you, would you do this? I mean, I would, I would hundred percent. I think. It, I th- yeah, I would for, for my yet unborn children. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's fascinating that people don't. And obviously they might not have got the film then. They might have gone, well, it's, it, it's, it's a really interesting topic. That no, but people are more, people, some people are more, um, it has to be that way. It has to be that way. Kind of more like, well, it's, it's not God's will because it's not people that are religious, but, but if fate. it's meant to be that way, it's meant that yeah, yeah fate. Mm. I'm always against fate. Like I feel you can always kind of fight back, you know, it's like not because you're, you know, I mean, it's not because I, I'm born blind from one eye, for example, and I'm mm-hmm. not supposed to drive. Well, I drive. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, fuck that, you know? Yeah, fuck the rules. Do I want? <laughs> because the truth is my brain has adjusted to create 3D, even though technically I'm not supposed to see 3D, I still see it because my brain has adjusted to my handicap, right? Yes. So, so that's the nature, I think, of life also is to, to, to go against what's expected. You know, I, I was watching this documentary on... Um, Charles Bukowski, you know, when he was 25 years old, his, his stomach started bleeding. And the doctor said, if you drink one drop of alcohol for the rest of your life, you will die in a minute. Right. And he become this crazy alcoholic that lived to be 75. So, but, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I, the craziest example. But, you know, it's, it's like it's like this this, you know, how 
you know, and it's kind of the beauty of huma- hum- humanity or even life in general is that mm. the odds are against you, yet you make it through, you know, that's what really fascinates me the most about humanity. You know, yes. it's our insane resilience. Like I'm, I'm on shoot right now, shooting my, 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 my TV show. Yeah. Comedy. On the verge. Is this on the verge? On the verge yeah. Yes. And I see all those people wearing masks, getting tested with the swab Up every the two days, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know uh, l- being six feet away, um, washing their hands every two minutes. Everyone has like cracked fingers and, you know, from the dryness and everything. And, and we keep on going, you know, we're just like, you know, a bunch of rats surviving yep. whatever <laughs> has to be survived. But it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful quality. That also can be bringing us to our loss because we will survive uh, the ocean rising. We will survive this and that. And eventually we won't survive because we'll go too far. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it seems like the nature of humanity is to constantly transcend what's expected, you know. And I just find that fascinating. And in a way, this is also what it's about in, in this film. It's about a woman going against nature, against what fate is, Right. But that's mm-hmm. all we've been doing. I mean, I say it in the film because it fascinates me. You know, the progress of science is about going, you know, we, w- we would all be in caves, like, you know, smelling each other's butt. If totally. It wasn't for... <laughs> Some of us like know. to do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I mean, against that. But... The sites for it. <laughs> <laughs> There's entire sites dedicated to that. But, you know, I feel like we wouldn't have gone very far if it was, if we were just, you know, kind of like, just like accepting, accepting everyone around us, you yeah. know, the status quo. Mm. Yeah, we're pushing that forward. And and again, I suppose it comes down to you've it's amazing cast as well. You have for my yes. Zoe, Gemma amazing. Arterton, Richard Armitage, amazing Daniel Brühl. Oh my gosh, Lindsay Duncan's even in there as I well. Love her, yeah, just so cool. Um, once I suppose you know, how did you get get the cast on board? I mean, it's because it's you. It's because you've written this brilliant script. Is that what? happens for you how do you approach your cast normally when you go about um you know making the film you know i i wasn't sure the film was going to happen and then richard read it right and and Mm -hmm. fell in love with it and he really loved the character and you know i think he had um, a deep understanding of the character because he's um you know i don't want to say but i think a family story that kind of affected him in that sense especially specifically of that men character you know mm-hmm. and um and and i think when daniel Brühl read the script you know <laughs> you know he called me an hour later and he was <laughs> he told me later that he had cried and stuff and wow you know and um and uh, and uh, and he wanted to do the film and I, he was like but what part do you want me for and i'm like well not the ex you know you don't have that you, you know, I think you're meant to play the doctor. He was like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to play, you know. Perfect, yeah. So then we got in touch with, you know, obviously Richard was already more or less on board and, you know, and then we, we cast the rest of uh, uh, Sophia Ali, who was a beautiful little girl. Mm, and, yeah. You know, and, and, uh, and everyone involved. And, um, and, so, um, and, so, and so then joined the, joined the rest of the cast. But it was... Uh, yeah, and then we decided to shoot in Berlin. I mean, the film could be set anywhere. I like the idea that they're away from their home because, you know, the complication. When mm. you're next to your parents, it's much easier. It's much because, easier, you know, yeah. Life is a... But, you know, I've lived all my life in LA and, 
you know, I don't have family members here. You know, if I can't look after my child, I have nothing. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. if, if I'm sick as a dog, I have to just turn on the TV and survive the whatever sickness or yeah. if I'm, you know. If, uh, if I have to go to work, you know, I, I don't have a solution last minute. You know what I mean? I have no solution ever, you know, mm. so I have to survive this kind of situation. So I kind of like that, the fact that they're in Berlin and they, they're two strangers in a, you know, in a place where they don't have an easy, it's not mm-hmm. all easy for them, you know. Sometimes there's something very worrisome about giving your child to someone, you know, mm-hmm. and I've done it, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't like it ever. You know, there's mm. something about like I was raised by my grandmothers because my parents were on the road actors, not even they didn't even have a home at the beginning. <laughs> I mean, it was like complete hippies and stuff, wow. you know, they barely had they, they, they didn't have a you know, we didn't have a bathroom until I was five or whatever. Like when I say that, people don't believe me. It's actually true. Um, wow. Where did you go? <laughs> there was a toilet in the courtyard and we would wash all at the kitchen sink. Wow. Yeah, my dad always talks about, and I was living with my grandmother in 28 square meters. Mm. Uh, my grandmother, my parents, and me in 28 square meters with a kitchen, no bathroom. And uh, no, my dad would always talk about my grandma's pubic hair. <laughs> <laughs> so is your next film going to be an autobiographical one? Yes, you're going to yeah. go there. That'd be interesting. That would be fascinating. How do you, so, you know, oh, go on, carry on. Yes, please. No, no, we, we weren't the cleanest people. I mean, I have to say, like, I grew up really like in a, in a we had a pink bucket. I remember they would put me in it and wash me with like a, a like a bowl, you know, and, and yeah, uh, put it over your head and that'll do. Yeah. Wash you down a little was, bit uh, in the kitchen, all that in the kitchen. Wow. And in the summer in the courtyard. Anyway, <laughs> the, the, the story is, I don't know why I went into my dad's uh, and my grandma's pubic hair, but where, where was I before that? <laughs> I don't know, but, but it made me think, right? They're actors, right? And you were living, you know, without a toilet since you were five, and yet you wanted to go into acting. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, I know. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> pubic hair, no toilet, acting. Okay, good, good. Well, I, I see the journey. I was raised by my grandmother and not by a nanny. You know what I mean? Like yes, that's, that's yes. where it, it all happened. you know it was lovely to be raised by my grandmother both grandmothers actually sometimes i would go to Brittany to one and to like um admas like near geneva near near Mm -hmm. at the border um and uh and it was uh yeah it was lovely to be raised by grandmothers but my parents were really fun too they just didn't have money doesn't mean it was a sad life you know Mm -hmm. it's money doesn't really you know, I think I had a better life than my rich friends that were raised by nannies. You know what I mean? Yes. I know much mean. better, more, more fun, you know. Yeah, more love probably, more connection, more, yeah, more we're doing like, this like together. Like a little bunch of, you know, bunnies in a burrow kind of life, you know. Yes. It, was, it was funny. It was yeah, funny. that's nice. What was it then that made you want to go into creating, acting, sort of writing, directing? What, was there a moment, can you remember, was there a specific film or anything like that? Well, you know, I was writing since I was very young. I was writing short stories, mm-hmm. a lot of sci-fi, actually. I was always writing, 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 writing so much. You know, mm-hmm. my journals, I have a million. Actually, the first before movies, I just found a journal when I was like 13 years old. And um, it's half the f- of what I say in the film is from my journals when I was like a oh, teenager. Wow. You know? <laughs> Gosh. It's really funny. It's really funny that it was with me still in my 20s, you know, those mm-hmm. feelings of love and you know, if there is any kind of magic, it's between two people, you know, is, is, is that connection and blah, 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 all that shit. But, you know, it's like 
what made me, I, I always wanted to direct. And when I started acting, it was always with the prospect of directing. Really? That's and interesting. Writing, yeah. Because I didn't, because I had seen my parents actually, you're right. I had seen my parents both being actors and the misery of them. My mom was okay because she, she had a cult <laughs> cultural background of, you know, of being okay, taking care of me, being a mm -hmm. mother sometimes and stuff. But my dad would go into severe depression. And I was like, because he was just an actor and I could see him being mm. miserable when he was not being an actor. Yeah. So I was, I was always thinking, you know what? This is not what I'm going to be, right? Yeah. And, um, and so I started writing. I think my first screenplay, I was 15 years old, you know? Wow. Oh. Feature length, yeah. So, and it took me... I, and I did my first film. I was 36. No, it took me 20 years. Uh, <laughs> I, I know what you mean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Because yeah. you can you can have that passion and you can write, but it doesn't necessarily work for where you're at in terms of the world and knowing investors, knowing people, understanding how to direct a film then. I send my script to the Avance sur Recette, which is the place where they give you money for the French government and stuff. Mm -hmm. And... A lot of people liked my script, but they were like, we're not, it was a different time. It's like, we're not going to give it to a 16-year-old girl. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. yeah now yeah. it would be like, oh, cool, a 16-year-old girl, let's finance our film. Yes. But at the time, it was like, she just, just no. Yeah. No, just no, yeah. just no. But also, I think uh, having experience does make you uh, appreciate things. And also, I don't know, I think it kind of helps you on set to understand certain things and, and understand what people might be going through have oh i would know. have been too young to do a great job i think i would mm. have it would have been instinctual and pretty good because i had seen so many films and i mm -hmm. was so in the business so young and stuff with my parents on stage and stuff yeah but i think sometimes by giving the opportunity to two young people but at the same time there's a purity in giving a chance to a young person which allow them to learn on the on the spot, you know, yeah. and maybe it wouldn't have been a perfect film, but it would have been genuinely, you know, there was a lot of romantic bit, beats in it. It was kind of Alice in Wonderland, but a modern version of it. Uh, but a little girl, a French girl, I mean, a French, obviously, because it was in French, but <laughs> like going underground and discovering this kind of parallel world and stuff. It was very Alice in Wonderland because I loved that story as a kid, you know. That's gorgeous because you, you, when you started acting, you started to do a few shorts first. And actually, interesting, you, your first feature you directed was a short as well, if I'm correct in my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've yeah. written films before, like a bunch of films. And I directed a short film because really that was the only time I was allowed to, you know, be given a chance to direct. You know, when I started off wanting to be a director, it was a very, very difficult task for a woman to become a director. Now, everyone mm -hmm. wants women directors, especially in Hollywood. It's like, they want to give job to, to, to women directors. But at the time, it was just not, you know, and I remember some directors were super supportive, like Kieslowski was super supportive, but mm -hmm. other directors were like, oh, you're going to lose your mystery. No one's going to want to work with you after that. You know, uh, yeah. people are not, you're not going to be desirable to directors anymore, which is really creepy if you think about it. But, mm -hmm. you know, I was never really into this kind of desire game thing. I hated it, actually, as a teenager and young woman. I was like, fuck that shit. Like, you have to seduce people. Like, it was always a seduction game, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was so not into that. I didn't want to seduce anyone. I was like, if you want to work with me, it's because, you know, and when Richard Linkletter cast me in the, in the before movies, you know, it was clear that what I was going to bring to him was going to be creative input you know, mm. and writing, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, and I like to convince people of my capacity with the creative side, but 
not with the female male shit. You know what I mean? And I have to say at the time, it was really unwelcome from a lot of people, you know, it, it was not, not very welcome. You know, it, it was, I was a bit of a, I was right away called a pain in the ass. You know, the fact that I was against that, you know, was like, you know, I was difficult. A taboo. Yeah. It's, it's taboo. And it's such a shame because like say now it's kind of, well, that's okay. You're allowed to do that now and move forward. But at the time you're right. It was really difficult. Yes. Yeah, funny that just being asked to be, uh, respected as a creative equal was was seen to be a problem. Like that seems kind of yeah. It was really a, it was a really a problem. It was a it, it, and luckily I worked with Richard and Ethan who had, had no problem with with women being creative. Mm-hmm. Or oh, I worked with Kieslowski who was best friends with uh, Agnieszka Holland who's a woman director. She's been so on the podcast. Met, yeah, yeah. I love Agnieszka. And, you know, and she's tough as hell, but she makes me laugh like no mm-hmm. one else. You know. Yeah. And, um, you know, and we really get along and love each other. I survived in this business because I was able to um, navigate without, uh, but I offended some people. The the fact that I uh, said Mm -hmm. no to so many men, you know, and it was, uh, it was very unusual, very unusual for the time, especially Mm -hmm. in France. I mean, when I got to America, it's like the first person I met was someone named Catherine Kendall, who's one of the first person that spoke up about Harvey Weinstein. So I was like, I left France where it was like, you know, a battlefield. I mean, we're talking 13-year-old woman dating 50-year-old, but, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and then I arrive in LA and the first person I meet is <laughs> Catherine, who tells me about Harvey. And I'm like, oh, welcome to, you know, Hollywood. Yeah, so, Harvey, you know, I, I was, I was uh, that was like in 92 or something. So, so it was funny. I was like, oh, no, it's, it's never going to end. Nowhere, nowhere I run away from is a... But it was okay because I was strong enough to make it clear to everyone that that wasn't my thing. Great. Actually, that's why nothing happened to me. I didn't work for Miramax, but at the same time, no one tried to rape me. You know, for me, you were always one of these powerful, strong women who played powerful, strong women roles. Who was, I mean, obviously, you always didn't. You know, you're a brilliant actress, so you but could, not in an obvious way. Like, yeah, not in an obvious I love way. To play, you know, I always want to play the like kind of. Actually, in my show, I wrote myself a part that's a little bit being, you know at times um, over like a bit like abused by <laughs> I always it makes me love to play a woman that's kind of like accepting the abuse I'm mm. playing that right now I'm having a lot of fun doing it oh, that's interesting because <laughs> the that, opposite of me you know yeah it's totally opposite fun to play that sometimes yes no you're right so how did your first movie um looking for Jimmy happen then how did you actually get it so that you could direct you know oh, I financed Frankie? it I financed, financed it fully it. right. it's entirely improvised it's a uh, complete completely shot in 24 hours straight okay we didn't sleep i don't know what we did so looking for jimmy i decided to do it i I couldn't get film finance i couldn't do anything i was like come on guys let's let's have a barbecue party and shoot a movie you know and i i I warned all my friends i made it like a like a it, it, it's like a treasure search. Like I warn everybody that I, we were going to come up at four. We were going to come up to their house at six. We were going to, and, and it's all improvised and I'm provoking the questions and, uh, and kind of the situation. This was really a great fun, great fun. Wow. Uh, the film turned out. Okay. I remember the, I showed it to a friend. Of, I showed the footage to a friend of mine editor and she's like, I can't edit it. This is too crazy. And then I spent six months editing it and turning it into something that's visible. You know, it's not brilliant, but it's, it's really funny. Yeah. And it's something you did and did off your own back and went, right, I can prove I can do this. Exactly. And how did you get people sort of on board for that? Your collaborators? Just how all did you- friends. All friends. All right. Okay. Just so friends, it- friends of friends. There was no one paid, 
you know, completely like wild. <laughs> you know, just, <laughs> yeah. just, just really fun, you know, but it's fun to do that. And as a first film, you know, I'd do, done film school and I knew that I was, I could edit garbage. Basically, you could give me footage and that's what I was doing at, mm. at NYU. Right. People would come okay. up to me with garbage footage <laughs> and I would turn it into a film, right? <laughs> I bet they didn't think it was garbage. I was known for that. I was like, <laughs> I've got some garbage. I know. I've just shot some garbage. Uh, Julius, help me out. Don't worry. The alchemist. But I yes. love editing garbage. I mean, I love editing so much that I, they would throw at me like things that make no sense and I turned it into something, you know? Yeah, yeah. And by doing that in film school, and, you know, I think I even got a little extra money because there was a lot of rich kids that, you know, were doing film school. But I'm not sure why. Mm-hmm. And so I remember they would give me a little extra hundred bucks there and there and stuff. And uh, I didn't have that much money. And so that was convenient yeah. for me. Yeah, so hustling. Night, I would lock myself in NYU, which was not allowed really, but I would like bypass, you know, whatever the security mm. guard and stuff and, and spend all night editing films of other people. So you taught yourself to edit, basically. You taught yourself, which is an incredible yeah. feat. It's so hard. Wow. Well done. I mean, it's, it's just brilliant. I love editing. I mean, editing for me is half the job of, of the, you know, it's so mm. important to give rhythm and, you know, I did two days, I edited two days in Paris and then, yep. you know, it was really, really also a learning experience to edit a film that is not garbage, like to actually have good footage and edit it, you know. Yes, that's no, amazing. Well, let's talk about Two Days in Paris real quick then, because this is your second movie, but this is the movie I imagine that because of the first one, um, that, that got you the finance, right? Or at least helped you to go, okay, I'm making Two Days in Paris now. Yeah, well, what happened is that I had had an Oscar nomination for the before movies, before Sunset as a writer. Mm. And the film was quite successful. Well, you know, as a Quite successful, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like in in an indie way, you know, kind of. Yes. But, but, you know, it was successful enough that people were like, oh, okay, she's something, whatever. So I went to people saying, okay, listen, because, you know, people want you to do, you know, the box thing. So Mm -hmm. I say, listen, I'm going to do another movie with an American guy and a French girl in Paris. (laughs) I was like, I tricked people into giving me money thinking they were doing exactly before sunset. Great. And then I wrote something very different with a family involved, the sister, the friends, it was the opposite, which is not two people talking, just the two together, you know, like the opposite, you know, and it's comedy and it's, Mm. you know, completely different. It's not romantic, really. It's a little more crazy than that. And, uh, and then I was able to do it by tricking people at first. I, th- I thought I was going to be able to pull off doing no screenplay because I wanted to do an improv movie because I really love improvisation. Mm-hmm. And then I decided to completely write the screenplay because in the end, they say, oh yeah, let's do an improv movie. But they were like, you know what? We want a screenplay. So last minute, I wrote an entire screenplay. Yeah. I was going to write it with Adam Goldberg, but he said, no, I want to do an improvised movie. I'm not writing anything. So I was like, okay, fine. I'm writing it on my own. So oh, I wrote God. it in two weeks. Wow. Which is, by the way, of most of what I wrote on Before Sunset, like one third or two third or whatever was written in two, three weeks and stuff. Sometimes when I, you know, once you've done the framework of things, you know, it, it, it can go very fast, the dialogue for me. Mm. And so, or for anyone really, once you have a good structure, you know. Is that how you like to work? Just jumping on the screenplay angle? Is that how you like to... No, no, write- I spend years developing the story. Okay. I'm like obsessed with structure. I mean, you have to be very, very thorough mm-hmm. with structure and then you can write, you know. Uh, when I write quickly, it's because I have a very solid structure that's behind it, you know what I mean? So I know what I'm writing. So otherwise you can't do it, yeah. Mm. But you can do a fast writing. It, I, I started writing a screenplay 
for now 20 years about Hollywood that I didn't do the structure of it first. And it's been 20 years. Because you get lost within the could be this, could be that. Whereas if you've done the structure. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I don't know how I'm going to solve it. It's 260 pages. Shit. I don't know what to do with it. Right. And it's a mess. And it's really fun. But I wish I could just like work it through that it's become something, you know, because it's really funny about Hollywood. Mm. Very dark. Very, okay. very fucked up. Well, why don't you, are you not, funny. do you not want to go back and sort of do the structure now? Sort of ignore that and go, let me do the structure. No, I know, but I, my brain cannot conceptualize the structure. I mean, I now see. I'm better because now I've, I've, I've turned it into this very, very, you know, I went to do Robert McKee's story structure and sh yep. shit like that, right? I've done a lot of those seminars mm -hmm. because I think it's good to learn. First of all, it's good to see what executive go to to learn w what is a screenplay. Mm -hmm. So you know what they're expecting, right? Yes. So for me, I did it kind of for that reason. Yes, that's good. Because they're not filmmakers. They just want to read a screenplay that looks like a screenplay that has the beats. They're looking for results, yeah. Yes. I know. Exactly. So, so you have to know what they're expecting from you. But at the same time, I learned a lot in storytelling. And even when we were working on Before Sunset, I remember working we were actually working on very specific structures, just two people talking, yet same kind of arc changes and all inciting incident, whatever it's called, mm -hmm. you know, um, story structure kind of thing. So it was, it was really not a waste of money to do that. Anyway, anything to learn more about something, never a waste. So I wrote the screenplay mm -hmm. and, um, and, and it was a great fun to, we, we shot this in 15 days. It was a very, very low budget. And, mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, I had problems, you know, the, the, the French producer were like, oh, you can't keep that scene in the taxi where you say, welcome to Paris, welcome to Paris, you know, with Hitler, because it's not romantic enough. You can't keep the scene where you attack the guy in the cafe calling him a pedophile, the ex-boyfriend. You know, they were like really annoying. And then I told them, okay, fine, I'm not going to cut the scene, go fuck yourself. You gave me like 200,000 euros and you want me to, on top of it, like fit like the typical romantic mm -hmm. comedy shit. So I told them to go fuck themselves and then it went to Berlin and it was super successful. And then they even forgot they had told me to cut those scenes. They were like, no, we never said that. No, no. What? What <laughs> wow. You know? Wow. Self-editing. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> then they sold the film to more countries than ever in the history of French films. Not saying for the amount of money, but the mm -hmm. amount of films. I mean, it, it was sold to place that or like street Muslim country and you have a, a naked Jewish guys, you know, yeah, in the middle in of the, the movie. Film. So it's yeah. kind of like, you know, it was really unexpected, you know, really fun. And it was fun. It was fun to have a, a movie, indie film success, you know. Oh, it, you know it's success. brilliant. Yeah, it was such a brilliant movie. I, I loved it when I saw it. It's oh, so much you. fun. When How do you work then with your DP? Because you're directing you're starring in it, uh, you've written it. How then do you set up those shots? How do you say, okay, we're going to, do you plan all that beforehand and then you just jump in? How do you juggle the two with all your movies? Well, usually I prepare carefully. Um, that's, that's the secret to be in a film and direct at the same time is you have to be on the same page with your DP and you have to be agreeing on what you're going to film, how you're going to film it before. I mm. hate to not prepare and I go really, you know, um, my Zoe, we were able to prepare 90% of it. There was like a 10, 15% that we left kind of like, you know, and that made me very uncomfortable. We had very little time prepping and it, it gave me a lot of anxiety actually. Uh, but it turned out good, you know. I, we still prepared the major scenes thoroughly and uh, with this wonderful 
<coughs> Stéphane, <coughs> Stéphane Fontaine. And, mm -hmm. um, and on the two days, I had the same DB, DP, uh, uh, Lubomir Bakchev, who's a great guy, really, really great. Um, and um, so, yeah, I love to prepare well, you know, and to be kind of knowing everything I'm doing in advance. So it's not, you know, I think preparation is everything when you, when you have to, you know, for any film, for any, even if you're not in it. Mm -hmm. Preparation is massive. And I say it all the time on the podcast, it's so important to do that. But you can easily get lost. Do you like to change your mind on set though? So let's say you've prepped, but then you get there and you go, actually, this is a nicer shot. Are you still quite free in that way? Of course. And I have to say, if someone comes up with a better idea, mm -hmm. I'm open to it. You know, it's, uh, I, I'm friends with uh, Barbet Schroeder, who is a French director. And, I, you know, I remember even talking to other directors, uh, you know, like older directors and stuff, like uh, Billy Wilder. Or something. And they were like, they're always saying, you know, you have to listen to people on set because someone might have a better idea. So, you know, I think it's, it's that's why movies are collaborative work. You know, it's like if the DP has a better image in his mind, why not be open to it? You know, mm -hmm. you had an idea and maybe it's a good idea. And then there's some ideas that I will fight for or that I, uh, that I will say, this is the way it is because mm -hmm. I have an image in my head that they don't. And that I have an overall idea of like, especially editing mm -hmm. that maybe a DP won't have yes. as much as I do, because I think of editing as I'm working, you know, and I'm yeah. like, I need that close up. Yeah, like, you know, right now I'm having other directors uh, direct some episodes of my show and I directed most of them, but there's a few episodes I'm not doing. And, uh, and I tell them sometimes I'm like, I need that shot. And they're like, yeah, but we have this. I'm like, no, 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 no. I need that shot because I will need to edit this, you know? Mm. So, so it's very, you know, for me, um, and I say the same to a DP. If he says, no, but it's nice in that long shot. I was like, no, 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 no. I need that cut away. I need it. I yeah. cannot not have it, you know. Because well, it I might be nice. It might be nice that. on set. It might be nice on the day. It looks gorgeous, but it doesn't fit in with the structure and the edit that you have in mind. And, yeah, and then you have a slow scene or a yes. slow, beautiful shot in the middle of a scene that just, or in the middle of a of, a, yeah. of an episode that doesn't work. Yeah, no and one cares. It looks yeah. great when we're filming it, but just it's, it's you throw it away, you know. Yeah. Totally. What have you learned from some of the directors you've worked with? Richard Linklater is a perfect example in the Before series. Did you learn from these people? Obviously, your extensive acting background as well. Do you go on set looking to see what they're doing to constantly be uh, improving your craft? Uh, yeah, I mean, I learned from everyone. I learned from Richard, you know. Well, he, he left us so much room as writers and actors, you know. Uh, I learned to leave a lot of room. I'm a little more you know, not relying on other people than he does, you know, I feel like I'm more, you know, um, and uh, I think I've learned a lot from Kislovsky, from Agnieszka Holland, from, you know, but I learned a little bit from everybody. I've learned from people I haven't worked with also just having discussion about it. And, mm. um, you know, I'm learning every day, you know, I'm learning from directors I'm working with now or, actors you know i'm learning from everyone all the time i mean it's it's a constant learning experience right yeah totally well i was wondering if there were any plans to uh, you probably get asked this question all the time judy but the fourth one any, yeah so far not so far not <laughs> she already knows think, the question you know the last time um you know we talked about it richard had an idea that i didn't like and i told him Mm -hmm. And, uh, and since then, you know, it's kind of stalled there, you know, like the idea was, was really not, not really, really, really disappointing. I think for people that like the series and I was like, I I'd rather not do another one then, 
you know, okay, then sure. go into that direction. And, so now, and Ethan agreed. And Richard agreed in the end, too. So it's better we don't do a, a fourth one than do one that really shatters the entire three. Yeah, I totally agree. It must have been a slight risk to do that with the third one in some ways. You must have thought, is this a risk? Or did you always know there was going to be it's a trilogy? Did, was that something that you thought that would be the case? No, but we knew we had uh, something interesting to explore, which is like, how do you sustain love in a relationship, you know, mm. which mm. is an interesting subject, you know. The only thing we could do now is like, you know, maybe add a lot of humor to it. That was my idea, you know, uh, to, to kind of like, you know, after, after 20 years together, you know, how do you survive? And, you know, I, I'm the only one of the two guys, Ethan and Richard, that have witnessed firsthand a couple that have been together for 40 years, which were my parents, right? Mm -hmm. And I knew how it works. You know, I know how it works to keep a a relationship going because I've been witness of my parents that were in love for so many years and having fun for so many years, you know, until my mom passed. But, you know, it was, uh, I was the one that um, was, you know, more driven to explore the 50 something episode. But, you know, I think we left it there. I think we we're done. Mm -hmm. Great answer. So no more befores at the moment, but thank you for that. Well, you know, yeah. Maybe, maybe it's knows? not interesting enough to film a 50 year old woman. Maybe we have nothing to say. In this Hollywood standard, you know, I should be playing the mother of, um, of, uh, yeah. of who, who's my age? Uh, of, yeah. uh, I don't know. Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> yeah, in Hollywood standards, you're right. If Harvey was still around, that would be happening, I imagine. Um, and finally, um, tiny bit of advice for a filmmaker coming up now. Anything looking back, you go, oh, I wish I'd known that before I'd made my first feature. Or My Zoe, for instance. When I think of filmmaking, I think of practical shit only. You know, for example, <laughs> on My Zoe, I, re I really, really was not happy with doing location scout at the same time as prep. I think it should have been done before, way before it was disorganized a little bit, not organized the way I wanted. It kind of took a lot of energy out of me. You know, I think of only practical shit. I mean, I don't have like major big advice. I'm like, you know, it's a step-by-step -step process. Mm -hmm. Don't look at him like, uh, you know, something um, magical and creative. I, I always tell my friends that want to direct and haven't directed yet, it's like, you have to become the most practical person in the world when you become a director, you know, from the writing process. You have to become, you know, you have to think of shot list. You have to be, you know, it's like uh, packing a suitcase. It's like uh, preparing a trip. It's like, you know, it becomes um, uh, the job. And I love being practical. So mm. for me, it's, it's a great thing between the creative side and suddenly becoming, you know, it's like cleaning my house suddenly, you know. And that, yes, there is a creative side to it. But think of it as a complete, you know, like boom, 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 you know, with shot list and list of this and list of that. I mean, it's like, that's all I do, you know, yeah. which is very fun, you know. And then you have to be creative on set, but it's mostly you have to be super organized, you know. Brilliant. Great uh, Julie Delpy, thank you so much. My Zoe is thank out now and it's amazing. You've done a brilliant job. Thank you so much for thank your you time. So Take thank care you. and good luck with the series. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care. Lovely meeting you. Bye. And you. Bye. Bye. So that was the amazing, fantastic Julie Delpy there. Wow. That was wonderful, wasn't it, Robbie? Oh, amazing. She was full of great advice and so many yeah. great stories and 
yeah I just love how she didn't hold back on uh, being honest about how well this this is why I did that this is influence this influences me like um, she's a very sort of honest and uh, uh, clear person yep so uh, my Zoe is out now you can go watch that and do go support uh, she's clearly a brilliant intelligent woman and will continue making films uh, thank you so much for listening and watching uh, this is the Filmmakers Podcast you can follow us at Filmmakers Pod you can follow me at Giles Alderson Robbie where can they follow you? you can follow me at Robbie McCain on Twitter Instagram all the all the usual suspects we're also on Instagram now as well as at Filmmakers Podcast. So do go find mm. us there as well. Uh, remember, if you're lucky enough to rise up and do well, it is your duty to send the elevator back down. Go out there, make your indie film, make your feature film, make your studio movie, but go out there and make it happen and be brave and strong. We will see you next Tuesday as always. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>